The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. about so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right and of the throne of God. In verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. I want to talk about, just for a few moments, or maybe a little longer than a few moments, on the thought of consider him. Consider him bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity once again to come to your house, to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ, the fellowship, the common bond we have in you, to sing songs of Zion, praise, hymns, spiritual songs, to glorify with the songs the name of Jesus Christ, how we look for that day when in perfection we get to do that with you in heaven. Father, down here, may we Spend these moments considering you, thinking of you. Our minds often wander and focus on so many things except you. But Lord, I pray this morning that you'd help us to think about you. Again, we lift up our pastor, that you be with him and Kathy and bless them and comfort them, strengthen them, give the doctors wisdom, bring him back to us soon. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Consider. It means to think about something, especially before making a decision. This year we've done a whole lot of considering about elections, haven't we? It seems like this thing's going on for like 10 years. We consider the Olympics. Last night I considered a little bit of football, one of my favorite sports. We consider, we think about, we dwell on. What do you think about? The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What do you think about? What do you dwell on? This morning, as I mentioned, let us consider some things this morning on this passage. The writer of Hebrews, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, encourages us in verse 3 to consider him. That's, of course, Jesus Christ. First of all, this morning, may we consider his position. The Lord Jesus' position, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher for our faith. There was a survey done by Kelton Research Center. 
They surveyed 1,000 people. 80% of the people surveyed knew that the Big Mac had two patties. 62 knew it had pickles. But only 34% of people surveyed knew that the remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy was one of the Ten Commandments. So obviously in America we know more about food than we do the Word of God. We think about this one who is preeminent. Preeminent means he is above all. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. And he is the end. Acts chapter 5 and verse 30. Peter writes, Peter says that on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1, 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. There are 256 names of God in the Bible. May I encourage you this week to meditate on the names of God. Jehovah, Adonai. One of my personal favorites is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. You think about God and his names. You think about what God has done for you. Do you think about the blessings of God in your life? The song tells us to count your blessings, to name them one by one. Oftentimes we count our complaints. But do we count our blessings? Folks, everyone in this room, no matter what your situation is today, you've been blessed by God. We live in a land that's been blessed by God. We are a people blessed by God. We're sitting here in nice chairs and nice air conditioning, and we get to hear the preaching of God's word. What a blessing. What a blessing. We're not fearful this morning of persecution. Oh, we may have pains and problems and difficulties and troubles and sorrows. Thank God for the blessings. May we count them and think of the one who's given them to us on a daily basis. His position is he is preeminent. He is above all. Is he above all in your life? Oh, how easy it is for us to put work before him, our family before him, our fun before him, our finances before him. Isn't it easy for us to slip and lose our first love? Oh, how often we have to remind ourselves that he is and should be preeminent in our lives. We must love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. He should be not just first. He should be all, all in all, in all of our lives. Is he first in your life? Is he preeminent? Not only is he preeminent, he's perfect. Jesus Christ completes or perfects our faith. He will finish what he starts. Philippians 1 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. At the moment of your salvation, God begins to work in your life to grow you up, to make you more like himself. It's a process called, we, called sanctification or growing up, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
demonstrates his perfection in two ways. His ways. Psalm 118 verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all those who trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? Who is a rock save our God? Everything and everyone else in the universe is imperfect. But God is perfect. Aren't you glad this morning? You're not trusting in some man, some thing, some religion, some tradition. You're trusting in Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and forever. He's perfect. I trust in the perfect one. Because I see myself so often as being imperfect. Ladies, you go into the mirror and when you walk in in the morning, you see yourself and you go, oh. I do that. <laughs> Turn that light off. <laughs> it's too bright. I can't stand it. <laughs> but you got to turn the light on or you can't see what you're doing. Our, we see ourselves and we compare ourselves with one another. Ah, we're not so bad. That's foolish, the Bible says. But when we compare ourselves to Christ, wow. No matter how long you've been in the Christian faith, we see ourselves as, as so distant from his perfection. Praise God, we will not be imperfect forever. We will be like him when we are with him. And today could be that day. Oh, his position of being preeminent, his position of being perfect, his ways, but not only his ways, his work. One author said, Christ has already run the race of faith and conquered for us. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. What he starts, he finishes. He can see us through to victory. That's why we can sing victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. Oh, it's easy to begin a race. Some of these Olympians, you know, they, they, they'll stop because they'll pull a muscle. Or you know, something will happen or they'll get hurt. Folks, this is a race that's already been won by Jesus Christ. He's, he started it and he finishes it. Now we have a great, a great person to follow after because he's done it. Now by the grace of God, may we continue in this race and finish. Consider this week, dear brother and sister in Christ, his position, that he is preeminent and that he is perfectly perfect. But not only is preeminence, but consider his pattern. For the Bible says Jesus endured the cross and he despised the shame. Think about his victory over temptation. Jesus had a goal, victory over temptation, over trials. And we must have the same goal in our lives. How did Jesus have this victory? Well, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. He was led by the Spirit. When Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Jesus was tempted of the devil. Are you and I going to be tempted of the devil as well? Yeah. If you're a Christian here. You know Christ is your Savior. You're going to be tempted of the devil to go astray, to go a direction that you know you should not go, that I should not go. But we can have victory over temptation. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5, 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we walk in the Spirit, there is victory. If we walk in the flesh, there is failure. Simple as that. 
If we walk in the Spirit, there is victory. If we walk in the flesh, there is defeat. Guess what? You choose. You choose. Tomorrow morning, beginning of a work day, you choose whether you walk in the Spirit. It's not some type of abracadabra thing or wish upon a lucky star. It's that you choose to walk in the Spirit in obedience to the, the Word of God and the following of the Spirit which is inside of you as a Christian. You choose to follow Him. You choose to obey Him. You choose to do what's right. When you walk in the Spirit and there is victory. Or we choose in the morning. We would get out of bed or roll out of the bed or crawl out of the bed. Walk in the flesh. It's a choice. And we make that choice every day. We make that choice every hour. Now, it's easy to go in and out of the flesh real quick, isn't it? I mean, you ever had somebody say something to you? I mean, you're just doing, you're just da 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 Your day's just going well. All of a sudden, somebody says something to you. And all of a sudden, you're in the flesh. And something about, to, something about us wants us to stay in the flesh. You ever thought that? I mean, it's just kind of easy to stay in the flesh. And then you got to humble yourself and say, I was wrong. Admit it to yourself first. Admit it to your wife, your friend, your boss, everybody else. And then get back into the spirit by choosing to. Dear friends, this is where God wants us to be. It's impossible to have a successful marriage if you don't live in the spirit. It is impossible to be the parent that we ought to be unless we live in the spirit. It is impossible to be the employer or employee unless we live in the spirit, walk in the spirit. To live the Christian life without asking Christ to help us in the Christian life and to walk in the obedience of Christ is impossible. Too many times we've tried to live the Christian life outside of Christ and we wonder why we fail. I fall down, boom, I fall down, I fall down. Why? Because we're doing it by the flesh. We're not doing it by faith. Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, my beg you, implore you this week, live the Christian life in Christ. Walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. The Spirit of God will always lead you to do the will of God, and that will be consistent with the Word of God. Jesus not only was led by the Spirit, he fasted and prayed. Whoa, fast and pray? Little girl went up to her dad who was a pastor one day and dad said to his family we got some big decisions in church this week I'm going to fast and pray his little daughter about five years old comes up to him and says dad, dad don't do that, don't do that don't do that, he said daughter, a lot of people in the Bible fasted and prayed, she said yeah dad but they're all dead five year old girl <laughs> now you know what to ask folks to fast and pray is about the same reaction as some folks I've known you mean, actually, don't eat? <laughs> you mean, stop doing something that I really, 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 really like? You mean, pray? <laughs> what is that? We have not because we ask not. What do you, why, don't, why don't you have things in your life? Could it be you've never asked for those things? Have, or, or if you've asked, you've asked one time? Or maybe twice? Jesus fasted and prayed. Matthew 4, 2. When he, was, when he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. Matthew 17, 19. 
Brother Bob Miller spoke about this in the teacher's meeting this morning. That then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, what could we not cast him out? The man was full of demons. And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith of the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Do you really pray? Do you really fast? Do you really want the answer to prayer? You say, well, I really want the answer to prayer, but I don't want to pray, and I certainly don't want to fast. Then do you want the answer to prayer? You see? Jesus said, if you, want, if you really want something, it's really serious. Have you really fasted? Have you really prayed? Have you sought God's will? Oftentimes, somebody will come to me and say, Marty, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that. And the first thing I'll ask them is, Pastor, you've heard him say from this pulpit, are you reading your Bible and are you praying? And most of the time, I'd say 99% of the time, they say to me, no. If the lines of communication are broken, how is anything going to be accomplished? If you're not communicating to God in prayer, and he's not communicating to you by, reading, by you reading his word, how is anything going to be accomplished in your life for God? That's why a pastor has uh, multiple occasions encouraged us to read the Bible. That's why he encourages us often to pray. There's so many opportunities and ways, especially today, and plans to pray. Will it be an app? or a, a notebook, whatever way, but pray and ask God and beg God, beg God, praise God. Do we have faith to believe? Jesus was led by the Spirit. He fasted and prayed. He quoted Scripture, Matthew 4, 3. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is our source here, isn't it? This is our source. You want victory over temptations in our life? How about get a word from the word of God? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Psalm 119 verse 9. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Oh, that we would get back to the Bible. And not focusing on fads or fashions, what other people are doing, but going to this old blessed book and saying, here's the answer. Let me get a hold of this. Brothers and sisters of Christ, are you struggling with that today? Got a woe or a sorrow? Have you tried going to Jesus with it? Have you tried going to the book and said, let me memorize some verses on this. Let me, let me meditate. Think about that Olympic gold winner who won the championship at wrestling. I listened to her, kind of her testimony after she won. I don't know what kind of church she goes to. But that, the man who was interviewing her said, now what did you say to yourself all, all day as you were getting ready to wrestle? Wrestle this Japanese lady who was the best women's wrestler in the entire world in the history of women's wrestling. And she said, I said this one phrase over and over, Christ in me, that is enough. Christ in me, that is enough. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth 
me. May we be consumed. May we be meditate. May we meditate. May we think. May we consider the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. He was vic- He was victorious over temptation, but He was victorious over trials. Verse three: For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. Why do we have trials? Oh, there's lots of reasons. The trials are for, are for the believer often a, pri- a process of purifying ourselves, of strengthening us, of maturing us to the place of Christ-likeness. Because oftentimes we won't do that for ourselves, will we? God, who is a perfect Father, does those things because He loves us. Now, as a parent, I often parent imperfectly. How about you, parents? You got any, any imperfect parents out here? Sometimes I am too hard. And sometimes I am too soft. And sometimes I compromise. But our Father always does what's best for us every time. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So I go through pain. It is best for me. I go through difficulties. It is best for me. It is best. I don't always understand it. And it's not my goal to understand it. But just to trust Him. Trust him. And the next time, trust him. Trust him more. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you going through a trial right now? James 1 2, my brethren, counted all joy. Joy? That's what the verse says. That's what James says. Counted all joy. When you fall into diverse, many different, varied temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. It is a process, painful, yes, difficult, yes, but he is needful in every one of our lives. Will you give thanks to the Father when you go through, when you are, when you go through or are going through this process? I met a lady not too long ago who's going through a process, a hardship a difficulty, a pain, a thorn. And I said to her, I know this is difficult. What you're going through, what you've gone through, is a lot bigger than I can even comprehend or understand. But could it be possible that God is using you to go through this so that you may comfort other people who are going through the same thing that you've gone through? Will you let God use you through the trials? Will you be bitter or will you be better? God wants you to be better so that he can use you to glorify his son and grow you and I up. Oh, folks, may we consider this morning his position. May we consider his pattern. And finally this morning, may we consider his passion. May we consider his passion. Verse 2, for the joy that was set before him. For the joy that was set before him. Wow. First, to glorify his father. What was his passion? I'd love to know why, why people tick. I don't know. I'd love to know why people do what they do. Jesus came first and foremost to glorify his father. Listen to this prayer. 
John 17, 1. Father, the hours come, glorify thy son, thy, that thy son may also glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He simply wanted to glorify his Father. He simply wanted to obey his Father. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Every Wednesday, we stand right out there in that courtyard. We still at Gospel Baptist Christian School pledge allegiance to that flag. We still at Gospel Baptist Christian School pledge allegiance to that flag. We still at Gospel Baptist Christian School pledge allegiance to this book. Then after I pray, or Brother Chris prays, we say that verse as a school. Because, folks, that's our lives, isn't it? Shouldn't that be one of the main goals in our entire lives? Whether we eat. Oh, man, I like glorifying God in eating. I'm for that. And drinking. I'm for that. But whatsoever you do, and that covers everything, right? That covers everything. When you get ready to get, go home to cook, ladies, you're glorifying God. Men, when you're doing the dishes for your wife, amen or oh me, you're glorifying God. In everything we do, when we get up tomorrow to go to work, whether the boss is watching or not, I'm glorifying God. And when I fail, I admit it to God, myself and God, and say, Father, I failed, I've sinned, forgive me. I want to glorify you. Are you doing that in your life? Brothers and sisters, we live not for men. For one day we will stand before God and give account of ourselves. You realize that this morning? I don't want him to say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou in the joy of the Lord. I want to hear his words. I want to hear those words. Not the glory for Marty Moon, but for the glory of Christ who saved me. So dear brothers and sisters of Christ, may we glorify him in our lives. Do you have a passion to glorify God in your life? And secondly, not just to glorify the Father, but his passion was to redeem the world. For the joy that was set before him. Jesus had a work to accomplish. God the Father before the foundation of the world had a purpose. Had a purpose. That his son would come. Live a perfect life. Die on an old rugged cross. Shed his blood. Be buried for three days. Rise again from the grave. Be seen of many for 40 days. And then go back to be with the father. To make intercession for us. So that the whole world might be saved. His passion is that we be redeemed, that we be saved. 2 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Oh, folks, Christ calls out to the world, come and dine, come and dine. The master calleth, come and dine. We're talking this morning in discipleship class about how God's table, his banquet table, is prepared for any and all. But he will not make one person come to the table. Each person individually has to choose. Oh, brother, it's the best food. Mama's was good, but it's nothing like God's. Grandma's food was great, but it's nothing like God's food. But he bids us all to come. Every one of us. And each and every one of us has to come. Jesus must be my personal Savior. My two kids cannot come after me and say, now Jesus is your Lord, he can be my Lord. No, they must come individually and say, I need to accept Jesus as my Savior because I'm a sinner. That table is open for all of us. And dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we who have partaken now get the opportunity to go to others and say, there's a seat at the table for you. There's a seat at the table for you. Red or yellow, black and white, they're all precious in His sight. There's a seat at the table for you. Come. I've taken. I've eaten. It's good. How about you? How about you? Will you partake? Oh, that we would go out to the highways and the hedges of this world and tell all that we can that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. His passion. Glorify the Father which redeemed the world. Little boy told his dad one day, Dad, I want to build a boat. I want, I want a boat. I want to build a little boat. Little boy told his dad. His dad said, okay. You know, dad could have bought him the boat. We can buy the boat. You know, the boat's not that expensive. We can buy the boat. Little bitty boat, not the ark. I'm talking about a little boat. Not big boat, little boat. <laughs> I'm not talking about a boat we served out, we use out there in the beach somewhere. Little boat, you know, little boat. You can go down to Lowe's and you can, these little cars, you can make little cars, you can get boat kits. He says to Dad, I want to I make a boat. Dad says, okay, you do some chores, you earn some money. After you get so much money, we'll go down to the store and we'll get the boat. And he did that. He got enough money to buy the boat. And after he got enough money to buy the boat, they went down to the store and bought the boat. And he made the boat, created it, painted it. Dad helped him, got it all right. It was perfect, or perfect in the kids' eyes at least. Dad one day was out working in the front yard and the kid went back in the back and there was a little creek back there and the kid thought, I want to see my boat float. Like a, a boy would do. And he sticks the boat in the stream and before thinking about it, the boat's gone. <laughs> I mean, the boat is just gone. It's not there anymore. I mean, put it in there and it's gone. He's sad and upset about it. and you know. But after a while, he finds something else he's interested in, as little boys do, and He's on to the next. But one day he goes to the store and he sees the boat. He sees the boat. He says, Dad, there's the boat. The same boat that I built. The same boat that I made. That, that, that I put on the water and down the stream it's gone. He said, well, son, you want the boat? He said, yeah, Dad. Do some chores. Let's get some, do some work. And after you get so much money, we'll go back and we'll buy the boat. Did some chores. Did the work. After a while, him and his dad went back and he bought boat. It was bought twice. And you know what? That's what God did with us, didn't he? 
He created every one of us. Every 7.2 billion, 3 billion people in this world, God Himself created. And God is willing to buy us back. Oh, He built, He, he created us. Now He wants to redeem us. That's why the Bible says you must be born again. I've been bought twice. Oh, he created me. And then, he, now, and, and then he, he died for me by paying for my sin by his own precious blood on the cross. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do you realize this morning, have you considered recently Jesus Christ in your life? So often we get so focused on so many things. There's so many things in this life to get focused on, to be consumed on. Have you thought about his preeminence? Have you thought about his power? Have you thought about his position in your very life? Is he first place, third place, fourth place? Is he not any place at all? Have you thought about his pattern of life? Have you thought about recently what he's doing in your life, how he, he, he works, and how perfect he is? And you compare his, yourself to him and see how fall, or how, how fall different we are, how, how, how we compare ourselves and we don't compare to him, but we often compare ourselves to others. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, do you see his passion? And how he glorifies God by his obedience in life. Are we obedient to him? Have you chosen already this week by the grace of God, I'm going to be obedient to you, Father. Because things are going to come up and probably come up this afternoon where you're going to have a choice to be obedient, walk in the spirit, or disobedient and walk in the flesh. Which path are we going to choose? Are we going to think about redeeming the world that needs to be redeemed? What, are, what am I doing as a Christian to share my faith with other people? There's going to be opportunities here in the next few months there's opportunities already every, all the time. Just like there was opportunities last Thursday to go to a nursing home and tell those, those, those widows about Jesus. There's opportunities all the time to tell people about Jesus. The question is, will you take those opportunities? May we consider him today. For he is worthy. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for this opportunity once again to come to your house. And to think, to consider, to ponder you. It is so easy to get caught up in so many other things in this life. But God, help us to consider you today. Are you first in my life? Am I victorious over sin? Because you're first. Do I go through trials? Am I trusting in you? Do I have a passion, Father, to glorify you in my life? Do I have a passion to reach the lost? Oh, Lord, may we ask ourselves these questions this morning. There possibly could be someone here today that does not even know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. You may say, Marty, I'm here today, but I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm a Christian. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure if I were to die today that I'd go to heaven. Maybe I'm talking to you today. And dear friend, after I pray, 
this prayer, we're going to have what we call a hymn of invitation. And I beg you, if you're here today without Christ, that you would come forward and someone will take a Bible and show you from the Scriptures how you can know you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a Christian here today. And you, there's some things that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about. Maybe it's something that, I've, I've, that the Spirit of God is speaking to you about that I didn't even talk about. Maybe it's something not even related to this, to this, this sermon. But you know that God knows there's an area in your life or something that you're not doing or something you just need to stop doing, whatever it may be. Are you willing to just surrender? Is it time just to surrender, to put the white flag in your life and say, Lord, I surrender all. I'm gazing on Jesus. I see myself so imperfect. There's areas in my life where I'm struggling. Lord, I'm coming forward today and I need help. Or maybe you just want to pray that prayer in your seat. But I, dear friend, I, I encourage you, whatever decision, say yes to Christ. Dear Father, again, we thank you for this day. Do what I cannot do. Speak to the hearts of people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.